Before we start this episode, I just want to say that our thoughts are with everybody impacted by the coronavirus and wish to give a continual thanks to all our frontline workers putting their lives at risk to serve their greater communities. To all our doctors, nurses, our incredible NHS staff in the UK, couriers, delivery drivers, teachers, store workers, and apologies if I forgot anybody, but just a huge thanks to everybody making sacrifices for the communities. Please keep safe, everyone, and hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into this NFC Primer episode, just wanted to give a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for the song Chains, which is our intro music to the podcast. Also give a shout out to Natasha in continuing with the thanks that we've been giving for allowing Chigs to do all the work he is on these podcasts and in particular with these division by division breakdowns which has taken a lot of time so thanks again uh, Natasha and finally just want to give a shout out to the NFL lads who are big supporters of ours. Uh, They're our great community on Facebook and Instagram Uh, as I've mentioned you know over 30,000 followers now and they have tons and tons of free giveaways on their facebook page and instagram page so yep check out the nfl lads but without further ado let's get into breaking down the nfc west so first up in the nfc west we have the super bowl runners up from two seasons ago the la rams and representing the rams we have a local la uh, supporter in shane so shane how are you doing hey guys how's it going Pretty good, all things considering. How's, uh, How how's things in LA? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. We're same, same as most places, we're locked down, but trying to keep as much of a semblance of everyday life as we can. So try to get out, exercise, do all that, but gives us a chance to catch up on football, I guess. <laughs> it's the one sport that's giving us that glimmer of hope at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, we have the draft coming up and the combine all that to go through so yeah and all, all that will be covered as well on this um episode but first of all i think uh, listeners will be interested to know shane how did you become a ram supporter what's what's your story with the rams uh yeah i mean like everyone you know fan, uh, fantasy football is where it football uh, my fandom really started and todd Gurley, i uh, had him on my team when he was in, when they were all in St. Louis, and he took me to a fantasy championship back in the day, and then when they moved the team to LA, it kind of became natural that he would become one of my favorite players. So, so that's probably quite a good, uh, good lead into what we can uh, kick off with. You know, so, you've obviously, him getting cut and moving to the Falcons. How do you, uh, how do you feel about that? It, it's, it's a bit of a gut check, but I. Obviously, was watching last year to see how he would do uh, with kind of open eyes because having the year before he won me another championship, which like with his MVP year. But this this past year with the with the injury, we were kind of trying to see if he would show signs of the arthritis and everything. And then uh, I, I, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to to see him um, go to another team but at the same time uh i watching him play i definitely did see a slight drop in bursts so 
I understand from the Rams' perspective, it's a lot of money to pay a running back for uh, what you could argue is a declining production. So do you think he um, he could repeat, you know, not, maybe not uh, the number one overall, but, you know, maybe a top five uh, top five season you think he could repeat that in in atlanta or i i think he's i think he's still top 10 i think it's overblown how how much of a drop-off he's had because of the arthritis i think that if you watch him play like the lateral movement's still there uh he still hits the holes pretty hard and he, he, there's a lot of plays that he made something being met in the backfield so i I still, I still have him as a top ten running back, and I think that the offensive line had a lot to do with his production drop off last year. And I, from what I've heard, Atlanta has a better line than LA, and I, I, I see, I see better things for Todd Gurley next year. Yeah, and I think um, you know p- part of that. As as well, it's just sort of showing that you know the Rams did have cap issues. I mean, you re- you release Todd Gurley, you release Clay Matthews as well. Um, you know, right. Dante Fowler was uh, traded to the Falcons. Uh, Greg Zerline as well. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Greg Zerline has picker. another 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 person that's been on my teams for years. Been a yeah, person. He's uh, been. Pretty popular figure in the LA community. Of course, yeah, everyone loves Greg the Leg, especially for fantasy purposes. Um, I, I think it just it just shows, though, you know, that Rams were up against the cap. You've still got players like uh, um, Jalen Ramsey to resign, who you gave up two first for. So I don't think you'd be any appetite to see him go. And I guess from a prioritization perspective, they've just thought, okay, we're gonna. Focus on, you know, keep Michael Brockers, who's a very, very good defensive tackle. Um, and then even though he is fairly old, Andrew Whitworth got a three-year deal as well. So you'd hope that that gives, you know, as a left tackle, gives Goff some good protection, opens up lanes for the runners. But I think the big losses, even, you know, they are defensive side, but were Fowler and Littleton, uh, as well as obviously cult figures like Gurley, like Clay Matthews, like Greg Zerline as well. Well, he also lost uh, Brandon Cooks as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to come up to that. So I don't think you did too badly, actually. I think for a player who's been traded, what, two or three times for a first, considering the concussion history and how much of last season he missed, to then acquire a second wasn't bad going, actually. But that said, it is the Texans. So um, maybe you could... (laughs) I think (laughs) with Bill O'Brien... It's probably the one GM you can get more out of than a fair value. So uh, maybe you feel like you missed out on additional uh, thing. But no, I think um, to get a second is pretty good going, especially considering he would have been due a, a contract soon as well, I guess. Uh, well, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Brandon Cooks, yeah. Uh, so I, I was looking at the Cooks deal like when they signed it, and I that was... I, Yes, with the concussion history, that was that was a big concern for me. But I think forty, I think he's owed forty-seven million for four seasons. I I, I I really don't know what the Texans are really thinking with this with their moves. If I I would take I, I I'd take more years of 
uh, of Hopkins for an extension. I, I mean, just I, I if if they're looking just to put their foot down and not not extend the guy for eighteen million a year, they they gave they get they're giving out the same money pretty much to have Cooks and Randall Cobb. <laughs> like, I, I I I that's I mean. It's been a very, it's been a common theme on our podcast. A lot, a lot of, uh, it's quite to say, yeah, a lot of talk about Bill O'Brien. To put it very kindly, you you know, it's something when the Colts and the uh, Titans fans are saying thanks to Bill O'Brien, you know, on the podcast for his uh, his GM work. So clearly showing um how other fans are feeling about what he's been doing. Um, so looking ahead to the draft, then I know the Rams don't have a first, uh, you know, with the trade for Ramsey, but you do have two seconds now, picks fifty-two and fifty-seven. So what do you think are the big sort of uh, targets for for that for those two seconds for the Rams? Uh, I think that you definitely have to start at linebacker. I mean, they're the Rams have lost four starters going into next year, and I think that the they signed. Uh, Floyd from Chicago, I believe, to play outside linebacker. And then they had Brockers come back, like you mentioned. So, like, they, they're on their defensive line and, and linebacker are going to be big, big needs. Um, I would say it, if they can pick up a wide receiver, it would be ideal in the second round. They're, but... Uh, running back, I think, is going to be the the trendy the trendy discussion with Gurley um, leaving town. But I would say that they can go running back by committee. They can go the kind of modern game and see what happens. Pick up somebody late and focus on the bigger needs. But it is the Rams, and I have learned not to hold my breath when it comes to their draft picks because. Uh, they just tend to give out these overblown contracts. And <laughs> well, run, running back's a very interesting point because uh, I think you even released John Kelly, which, um, if I'm correct, only leaves you really with Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson. Now, Brown was the one who actually stepped in last year when Gurley was injured when people thought it would be Henderson. But Henderson has the draft capital. So if you are doing... A draft. Let let's say you do draft a starter that sort of supersedes both of those. But who do you want as the RB two? Would you say it's Malcolm Brown or Darrell Henderson? I, like last year, I, I I used Brown as a must handcuff if you had Gurley, and I, I I'm a big proponent of handcuffing myself when when I play football, uh, fantasy football, anyways. And uh, he was kind of a mid range handcuff for me, but then. It just with the injury history, and I think it, you could argue that if just to have a starting running back on the Rams, it's worth the gamble. But I, I would I would like to see the the Rams from a fan perspective pick up a running back, but I just don't see them picking. I mean, depending, there I don't see any one person that's currently on the team seizing the number one role as like a three down back. I, uh, Henderson's a pass catching back, and Brown is more of a bruiser. But like I, I, I see them using them as like a one-two combo as opposed to 
one one person that you can probably rely on as uh, a three down. So at best, you're probably going to get maybe a low end RB two out of these guys, unless they draft somebody. So. So then I guess you know one of one of the things um, last year was obviously Jared Goff kind of having a bit of a down year. Um, from sort of fantasy numbers perspective and even, you know, just general all-round play. But can you see him bouncing back, um, you know, to that sort of QB1 um, status? Uh, so for me, I see the the wide receivers as a situation where they will be okay. Like, if they, if they can shore up the, the offensive line which is uh, probably the biggest, the biggest reason that they've had issues, in my, in my opinion. It's, it caused the whole offense to kind of sputter. You know, you can't, you, if you can't, like, it's the reason that I, that I feel that they were willing to let Brandon Cooks go, can't really throw downfield when you can't block and let the guy actually get downfield to get thrown to. If, if Goff's getting sacked, like, or under pressure every single time, and having that deer in the headlights, like looking to throw out of bounds every single play, like, it's just not going to work. So I, I, it, it really depends. It depends on if, if they, if they can get some, some help for the line. I, I think Goff, when given time is an above average quarterback. I wouldn't say like for the, for the number two pick, it, it's, it's a bit, He's good enough that you can you can build a team around him, but he's just not going to win you games, and he's not going to dig you out of holes. And that's my my biggest gripe with him. But he's serviceable, and I understand having to you have to have some, you start with your quarterback when you're building a team. So I, I do understand like trying to figure out the situation, like scrapping kind of what's been going on and trying to build some protection for him. But uh, top 10, I, I could see, I could see a, I could see a, a low end QB one, but beyond that, I, I, with the weapons that he has, I, I think that maybe in a, you know, I'd wait on him and I, I'd be okay with him as my, as my, as my starting quarterback. If you're going to, Go wait if you're gonna wait at quarterback, but then uh, QB, QB like a two QB league, sure, I'd go with him like as the second QB. First, uh, if you have a solid uh, or as part of a two um, two QB combo, like but uh, top ten, and top five, I, I don't see top five potential, but could crack top ten for me. Yeah, I think I think we need to make it clear. Chiggs owns him in one of our dynasty leagues. I think he's just trying to up the value, you know, by getting your endorsement, Shane. So don't fall for it. I'm, uh, um, I mean, that's the thing. I'm a I'm a big proponent of him having a bounce back year this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't see him having a, a top five season. You know, I don't think he's of that caliber. But yeah, definitely, you know, for me, he's a guy that you can you can wait on, as you say. People are down on him after the Super Bowl and you know last year. Um, you might be able to get quite a good bargain on, on draft day, picking him up, as you say, is your, you know, if you're going to wait on QB, he's the, he's the kind of person for me that you want to be picking up if you can get him, you know, a good value. Oh, I agree. I, I, I don't think that the drop-off will be as significant as people think without Cooks. I don't think Cooks was the issue with mm-hmm. the offense at all. I, I think that 
the issue starts with the with the blocking, and then which doesn't allow them to run the ball effectively, which affects the play action, which was a lot of what made them successful a couple of years ago. Well, you saw it as well, right? You know, in the in the run to the Super Bowl when they kind of went away from Gurley, you know, with the kind of the injury concerns, and um, you know they plugged in. Um, Broncos, ex-Broncos, TJ Anderson. And, yeah. you know, he was putting up monster numbers there, you know, in, in the fantasy sort of playoffs and stuff. So if they can get that line fixed, as you say, you know, you can still run the ball, create their play action for, for Goff. you still got Cup and Woods, you know, two very, very good wide receivers. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you was your, your tight end group in um, Gerald Everett and uh, Tyler Higby. You know, we saw um, both of them last season uh, show you know some big games. Um, Tyler Higby getting paid I think, top five money now as well. Can you see him sort of making that step up to like that top tier of tight ends for um, fantasy perspective? I, I think that he is under the radar in the sense that he's not a huge name, and he played like he was playing behind Gerald Everett for quite a while. Uh, I, I like the talent. Uh, I think if uh, like tight ends, another position that a lot of people will either wait on or stream. Uh, he, I picked him up later in the year last year uh, to sort of fill some gaps on during my bye weeks and then hold on to him. So it, it ended up working out okay for me. But I, uh, from uh, from an offensive perspective, I, I would say that they 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 are going to utilize probably two tight end sets i mean that that if if you're going to give uh, on depending on how they draft but i i could see them going to two two wide receiver two uh, two tight end sets a lot this year and trying to make that a bit more of their offense as opposed to um the play action three wide receiver sets that they were going with before yeah, and that's interesting because I've been I've been looking at a few mock drafts, particularly now that you've got your you know additional second round pick with trading Cooks. I think one looking at the roster, one thing you are missing is speed. You know, you have Cup and Woods, who are both great possession receivers, very good route runners, particularly Cup in the slot. Yeah. Sometimes, almost, you know, when he's fit, is hard to defend against, but. With with speed, do you think it's worth using one of those seconds on one of the really sort of elite speed receivers? Like, I mean, Ruggs isn't going to fall that far, but there's a potential that somebody like Denzel Mims or a LaVisca Chenault uh, would fall that far. Or would you rather them wait till like the third or fourth and maybe target somebody like a Devin Duvernier from Texas? Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely would prefer them to use their picks on either the line or uh, or linebacker. Just the, the the holes in the other parts of the team are a lot more glaring to me, and I I, I was I I feel like they're aligning themselves to uh, for this draft particularly. I, I think that they um, set themselves up to to draft in what is the deep positions on this draft. So they're I I, I could see them waiting on wide receiver. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. So what are your thoughts then going into the season? I mean, you've got a very, very strong division there out in the West. You've, of course, you know, got the um, 49ers who made the Super Bowl with an elite defense. You've got the Seahawks who are just a very, very talented uh, group of players. And of course, you've got the Cardinals who now have 
Newt Hopkins. So what are your thoughts on the Rams for this season? Do you still, do you still feel like you can make the playoffs? I know you were, what, 9-7 and seven last season, but uh, it seems like there's been a lot of change. So as a fan, what are your sort of honest thoughts at the moment? Uh, I I think that they sold out to for the near term um, for the short term to try to win the Super Bowl in the past couple years and it, you know with the contracts you know like e- even with the Whitworth contract that you mentioned the re-signing him I I it, it's a lot of money for somebody who's thirty eight thirty nine I'm pretty old but you know that that's just to, just to keep the team afloat you know without him you can imagine how bad the line would be. So I, I think that it, it, making the playoffs would be, would be great as, as the, you know, they're, they're, but they're eyeing, you know, bigger things kind of in a, a year or two. I, 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 could see, I could see them maybe sweeping into the playoffs, but like you said, the, the division itself is so strong. I, and I'm a big fan of a lot, a lot of the teams in, in this division, honestly. Like, they're, it would it's going to be a really entertaining year to see them go up against, you know, Russell Wilson and to see DeAndre Hopkins and see these guys, obviously the, the 49ers doing so well, like it'll, it'll be, it'll be an entertaining year, but I, I, I'd I'd like for them to be smart and set themselves up for, for the future because sometimes, yeah. And sometimes that's just what, that's the only thing you can do. You can't, you, it, when you put yourself behind the eight ball with with your with your um, with your contracts and the lack of draft picks, you know they're they're you have to be realistic. And I, as a fan, yeah, I I they're my team, but I I I am I'm just looking forward to to seeing seeing what they can do to um, in in a couple of years actually. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, some great insights there. Uh, so, Shane, just want to say a huge thanks for joining. Uh, it's always great to have, you know, these fans for the sessions, but uh, always better to have a local fan who's heavily invested in the team. So, um, you know, just from myself, just want to say a huge thanks again. Uh, and uh, Rams are a team I really like, particularly with Sean McVeigh at the helm. So, I hope, you know, with the draft picks you do have, you have a good uh, draft and then also a good season. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing following that West. So, um, you know, thanks again and love to have you on um, post-draft or during the season sometime. Oh, definitely. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Sweet. Cheers, Shane. Okay, so next up, representing the NFC West, we have Graham all the way from Scotland. And Graham is a San Francisco 49ers fan. Graham, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Very well. So uh, we won't labor on it because I'm sure it's still quite painful. But, you know, 49ers did get to the Super Bowl, were winning at one point. But uh, have, you, have you managed to overcome that? How are you, how are you feeling about the whole sort of experience of last season uh, yeah well it was a brilliant season I was happy with what we done apart the Super Bowl was the Super Bowl I was proud to be there I wasn't expected really uh, the Chiefs were the kind of comeback so even though we got ahead we always had to fear the comeback from them so uh, I was proud but I've never rewatched it again yet I was tempted last week but it's still a bit too sore at the time like <laughs> I've not rewatched it again 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think I could ever watch back Super Bowl where we lost to the Seahawks. I think it was 48. And uh, so I, I completely get your uh, position on that then. So how, how, did, how did you become a 49ers fan then, Graham? My uncle was working in San Francisco for a couple of years back in the early 90s. So I went out there in 92 for uh, three weeks. And uh, I never actually got to a game there. But I came home with lots of memorabilia and everything. None of my family were American football fans, so it was just the memorabilia. And then I was working night shift in the oil rigs and it was really quiet. So I got into watching American football because it was the best sport on at night. And 49ers were the obvious teams. I'd been there and I'd seen the stadium from the outside, but I actually went in it. I started watching American football quite seriously about six years ago and then it became a serious uh, Miners fan five years ago. So, yeah, that's been it. And it was the only team really to follow. Excellent. So you've, you've seen the full sort of circle of life, so to say, as a 49ers fan. You've seen them when they were, what, 1-15 or 2-14, and 14, all the way then to getting to the Super Bowl, narrowly missing out. So you've, you've seen a rebuild in action, basically. Yeah, it was, well, it was quite a quick rebuild from one to another, I think. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, it was, uh, last season was a high. It was quite amazing what they managed to do. Like. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, especially on the defence, it was, I mean, Shanahan and team have built a really well-balanced team there, but that defense is amongst the best, if not the best, you know, and it showed last year. And uh, again, as a Broncos fan, when you look at Super Bowl 50, you know defenses can win championships, you know, so um, I think you'll be right up there. Okay, so looking at free agency then, um, you know, you did have a couple of big sort of outgoings. So Sanders left to join the Saints on a two-year deal. I think you gave up like a third and a fourth, right, to get Sanders in. So might have been a bit of a hard one to swallow. And then it was Buckner you lost to the Colts. But you have picked up pick 13 in the process. So, you know, very early sort of position. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's much to write home about in terms of free agency. But what are your thoughts on your sort of free agency moves? Uh, well, to start with, because our defence was so good last year, Buckner kind of hit me hard. I was a bit upset about it, but then when I looked at the draft and the kind of people we could get and uh, clear the cap space to actually make some signings, uh, it made me think a bit more and I was, I'm actually pleased with the deal now. I think 15, we can get a decent pick from there, so that was good. Uh, Sanders, he came in and he helped a young wide receivers, although I don't think he really did too much himself. He was still a good player and a good acquisition at that point. And, uh, but he's uh, a uh, free salary space is uh, another bonus. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, with Sanders going, <clears throat> I know you've got a few sort of young receivers there, but uh, do you think now Debo Samuel is good enough to be that lead receiver? Or do you think that you're still looking for that lead receiver? I think he's good enough. He's strong um, and manage. Um, I think they'll maybe possibly draft another wide receiver. A good draft, uh, draft one. And uh, we also got Jalen Hart coming back. Uh, he'll be like a new signing for us, even though he's been there a year. But the wide receivers look good, but they might consider bringing in a bit more experience as well. 
Yeah, yeah, because you've got you've got a few others who've shown glimpses, but not really done you know too much. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, who you invested a second round in, uh, Trent Taylor's around as well. So, any any of those you think could break out this year and show something? I know you mentioned Jalen Hurd. Yeah, well, I I got excited with him at preseason last year, so it's him. A lot of the, when I read about him in college, he was a guy who didn't get on with his teammates very much because he was that physical and uh, was even physical in training and that. But seeing him in the preseason, all the guys took to him, it kind of changed my mind about him. And he looks like he'll be a big hit if he can get fit. But yeah, uh, in regards to Pettis, the drop balls were affecting him last season, so be interesting to see if he gets a chance again and manages to prove his points. Yeah, and uh, Mo, I think you mentioned that you had Pettis in a couple of leagues. What are your thoughts on Pettis in particular, given the draft capital? Do you think he's a bit uh, of a bust, or do you think he could show up? Oh, I, I dropped him. Uh, I, I cut him in all my league. So, uh, actually, I have no faith in Pettis. I think if anyone uh, if anyone in the current roster, that's a sleeper we born, if anyone. Um but uh, I, I mean, he's 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 got the skill. He was early draft commodity. I, I, I just didn't. I, I mean, San Francisco. I mean, you saw yeah last year they, they didn't have they didn't have many wide receivers, and he couldn't he couldn't be on the field uh, in already a depleted wide receiver core. Just kind of lost faith in him. So I think I think in all my leagues, well, all my center leagues, that cut him. I don't I don't own him in dynasty at the moment. Um, so any dynasty leagues are just the one that you were in. But um, I have more faith in uh, in Bourne, and I think, um, as mentioned, I think they're definitely going to draft a wide receiver. And having the 13th picked, uh, I mean, they're guaranteed at least between you know between C.D. Lamb or Judy or Ruggs, they're going to get one of those elite wide receiver receivers. And I, I presume that's where they would you know invest yeah you know, invest the draft pick on. Yeah, and I know we've touched on this in previous episodes, but we've said really that looking at the draft board, unless somebody trades up. It's not until pick 11 and 12 where it's the Jets and Raiders that will probably get that run of receivers. But then with the 49ers directly after at 13, there is a good chance that they could get sniped on a couple of their targets. So do you think there's any merit or possibility that, uh, Graham, that the 49ers may even trade up to get their men? They're not a team that normally do trade up recently, like, so I'm sure... It's such a wide class of wide receiver. I'm sure they'll probably stay where they are for three. Uh, stay for the third pick out of that three if they do go for the wide receiver. But it's mm-hmm. such a wide class. Yeah, it'll be, certainly be interesting. But, you know, I said that the team that got to the Super Bowl haven't lost too much in terms of the uh, roster you had. And you've got draft picks to sort of make up for some of those losses. And then, Paul, I know in a league wherein you own Jimmy Garoppolo, what are your thoughts on him as a real-life QB, but also as a um, fantasy QB? He's a better, he's a better real-life QB than fantasy. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good game manager. He's, he's, it's a little tricky when they've had such a strong run game to, to see, but he did what he needed. You know, he, he did exactly what he needed all the time, really, bar, bar the Super Bowl, which was... It's just a spectacular thing to watch if you weren't a 49ers fan. Um, no, I think he's I think he's good for the job. 
and I only only have him in um in our league where it's it's a two QB league, I think. Yeah, super flex. Yeah, I've got I've got about seven as I may have mentioned previously. <laughs> yeah, you won't trade away one of them, will you? <laughs> I will when someone pays up for the right price. <laughs> okay, so looking ahead then to the fantasy aspect, we've touched on QB. I, I think you know it's pretty much dead set that it'll be um. Jimmy G under center, and then you've got a couple of capable QBs in Bethard and Mullen as um, backups. Where I'm really intrigued is your running back core, because oh. you've got quite a lot there. You know, you've got Breda, Coleman, uh, Moster, Jeff Wilson Jr. had a bit in the past game, and then of course Jarek McKinnon is back. I think on a restructured deal. So, what what are your thoughts, and what are the whispers you're hearing? Uh, you know, as a 49ers fan, Graham, around that running back core. Uh, well, my thoughts are well, Mozart left, left as a clear number one, but I'm not so sure <laughs> if he will still be there. Uh, there's so many of them that will be given a chance again. Like, um, But I've been picking him up in all my leagues I've drafted so far because he seems to be going later than I think in the ones I've done, which is a bit strange. <clears throat> so you think most that starts as the, the guy then, the, the sort of uh, first two down running back? Uh, yeah, he'll start, I think, and be given the chance to carry on where he left off. Uh, I do like uh, Breda and uh, uh, Breda and the rest of them, but I think uh, Breda might be going for picks if possible. Like, could be an option because they've got a fair uh, running back selection there. Uh, Coleman's good and uh, steady enough to be a backup to Mozart if he managed to uh, continue. And then, of course, there's McKinnon. He was drafted high last year in fantasy and considered the leading running back before he's got injured. So, see how he is when he comes back. So, so where does that where does that leave? Do you think Coleman? Do you think he's the potential casualty of this room? If 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 one of them's going to get dropped to create a bit of cap space, now, I'm not too familiar with the cap situation. But do you, do you think it's pointing towards Coleman going? Because uh, clearly Shanahan loves McKinnon, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm tempted to go towards Breeder, though it seems to be the kind of thought maybe it might be. Um, but Bowman might be an option as well, if you wanted to. Okay, interesting. And then, of course, um, you know, we have touched on the receiver as well. Um, so, so you, how, how early are you drafting somebody like Adebo then uh, in your leagues? I don't think I've actually drafted Adebo yet uh, this year, but uh, I. Uh, be a tough one. Like, I'd say maybe third, fourth round, possibly. Wow. Yeah, and I think in our mock draft, he did go in the third round, didn't he, in uh, one of Chiggs' team? So, yeah, I think so. You know, so despite having quite a crowded room of receivers, <clears throat> I think as fantasy players, the faith really is in Debo being that lead guy. And Shanahan loves to use him uh, in various ways. He's on the screen, on the end around as well. He's also, yeah. you know, showed he can win the contested catch. So I reckon, you know, you've some of the some of the guys you've got now will probably end up getting dropped as uh, you re- bring your bring the roster down um, to fifty three. And then finally, of course, tight end. You have one of the best, uh, I think, you know, from a t- uh, dynasty perspective, probably the best tight end in George Kittle. Um, so not much to debate on Kittle, but outside of him, 
Uh, I can see you've got Dwelly and Daniel Helm. Do you think any of them are capable from a fantasy perspective, or do you see yourself even drafting somebody in one of your later picks? Uh, no, I don't see Well, they're good as uh, backup tight ends, but they're not going to be first-team starters. There's a lot of rumours just now about Cooper coming. Uh, I think he'd be a good ad, whether he'd come and sit behind Kittle and, and just be the second tight end, I don't know. And if we have the draft space for him. But there is a lot of rumours that maybe Hooper might be the idea. I can see us drafting a tight end maybe towards the end of our draft rounds. Maybe later on. We don't pick up one in free agency. Yeah, and uh, this this is one of the scary things about 49ers, that outside of the tight end, there's just a lot of players around, so you often don't know who to draft. So you could end up getting somebody at great value, but you could end up wasting a a pick, you know, uh, on a player that doesn't get opportunity. And I think Dante Pettis is very culpable of that, um, having had him in a few leagues. So, I mean, great for a fan, uh, but from a fantasy perspective, I think it does leave that um, uncertainty factor as well. Yeah, they're kind of a hard team to play in in uh, in fantasy. I guess it tends... It ha- well, no, it doesn't. But they are, I was about to say it happens with all teams are doing so well. But... I don't think that's true, though. but they are a tricky team. There's not that many people you're happy, apart from uh, Kittle, really, that you're very happy starting mm. next year anyway. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I still couldn't tell you who I think the running back will be. I know Graham no, thinks it would be, you know, I think Graham said it would be Mostert, which would make sense to reward him for his form, but there's just it's so crowded. So um, it does leave leave that sort of uncertainty factor. Okay, well, uh, Graham, just want to say thanks for joining. Really appreciate your inputs as a 49ers fan. Uh, you know, you've got two first-round picks. I'm intrigued to see what you do with those. And uh, good luck with the draft and good luck this season as well. And we'd uh, love to have you on again to discuss 49ers football. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Graham. Cheers, thank you. Okay. Fantastic. So uh, next up in the NFC West, we have a much debated team uh, across the lead up to the 2020 season in the Arizona Cardinals and representing the Cardinals, we have Jeremy. So Jeremy, I understand you're actually a OSU alum and a Cardinals fan. So um, talk us through your, well, A, your experiences from studying at uh, Ohio State University being part of the Buckeyes rugby team, as uh, you mentioned uh, just before we started recording, and also how you became a Cardinals fan. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, so I've studied at um, the, the Ohio State University, got only <laughs> one, so I did, 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 did Buckeye rugby um, and um, had the chance to meet uh, a few of the players at the time. So, you know, Nate Ebner, Patriots, but also rugby sevens and and rugby union players i mean some you know it's, it's, it's a great bunch of players you've got such an amazing um you know, landscape supports i mean no, nothing you would ever imagine into anything in europe uh, um to, to to support the team and you know from from schooling to the physical elements and we, we got the chance to share the same facilities for or, you know, for the physical side. And, you, I mean, you don't imagine the size of those guys. It's ridiculous. Like, you go to see, you think the rugby players, they are big. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. 
sizing up next to those guys are like 18, 19, and they're just, you know, they're, they're just unbelievable. Um, so we, we got to get part of you know, the family, and, and I started following Ohio State, weirdly enough, when I was 18, and my parents in New Orleans, and the um, it was the the Sugar Bowl playing there at the time. Um, Ohio State went up with half of the team in the same plane. I was like, well, I want to go there one day. So I ended up going there. You know, great story there. Um, and why did I then end up with the Cardinals? You know, studying Ohio when I was younger. I used to play Maiden a lot with uh, the Niners. Niners, golden, golden and red. And, you know, the whole story with Montana. Great, you know, great team, beautiful college when you're a kid, and, and they had some good players. But uh, what really changed my mind is the, um, not to make any advertisement, but the Amazon show um, All Nothing with, with the Cardinals, and I really shared and, and valued the view of Michael Bitwell, um, some of the players like Fitzy. I love Ty Matthew and his presentation, where he's coming from, the chance to go given the Cardinals, and I started following them from there. Um, now Tyron left a uh, couple of years after us, back to, you know, going to Texans and then he's now a Super Bowl champion with the Chiefs. But um, that's how I started following them. And, you know, through all, or seeing that that value are very important nowadays, like the community, the support there is during this um, very eventful period. But that's how I started really, really getting involved. So more than the football, really about the community and, and the value that they're dragging. Uh, unfortunately, over the last two years after... It hasn't been, um, you know, great season, but I think we can now hope with uh, some of the most recent changes and, you know, Kay and Murray, uh, new coaching teams, a lot of good new um, agents and trading coming in. I, th- I think with, there's a good shot at it, albeit NFC West is definitely the, you know, the strongest and most difficult, uh, I will say, um, area of, of football. Yeah, uh, appreciate that. Yeah, and we we can talk about some of your free agent signings, like you know Jordan Phillips, who you signed at defensive tackle, and Devon Devon Kennard at linebacker. But let's be honest, nobody's interested in those defensive players. Everyone wants to hear about that trade involving DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, David Johnson. So when you heard the news, how how did you celebrate? <laughs> how did you celebrate getting somebody like? David Johnson at the car. Uh, sorry, um, DeAndre Hopkins at the Cardinals. Well, at first I saw it wasn't true. Like, I mean, it's there's no way he could he could have come. Like, you know, there was no there's no money. What would he come? You got unless you want to, you know, get fizzy out. I was like, well, how, how's that going to work? But <clears throat> then looking into it, there's like, well, it's you know extraordinary. You 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 got the best receiving in team in the country. Like, you got. Fitzy has got all the experience and still drag a lot of players around, still solid and reliable. Um, you got Ump Kids that definitely is the best one and young. And you got Kurt that, you know, Christian Kurt that's just it's just growing up. So I'm like with that, and if you had the now the new experience with Kyler Murray, I was like, well, is there a better offense team than that? As long as the you know the OL stands up, then I was like, I'm super excited. I, I, I want to see this offensive line. Now the problem is no one really cares about the defensive line. Everyone wants to show, you know, see how many <laughs> TDs we score. But, you know, I think it's super exciting. It's like, it, it's... Hey, you've, 
you, you just know, have to outscore your opponents, right? Exactly. So, you know, it, it is a mass game. Like, you know, if I score 70, you score 50 back, then okay, fine. But, you know, by the end of the day, it's, um, you know, I think we, we just need to make sure we got we got enough to, to hold everyone, everyone back. But, um, uh, you know, the, the, the good thing about this is we, the, we like the card, there, there is no big gap that we've got to fill in this year, I believe, with, you know, some other agents that have been signed on. And, and I think it's, it's really strong on, on, on the money, you know, on the money elements. And, you know, the, <laughs> the signing off of the $12 million that was owed to Johnson, Texan agreed to pay, um, definitely allows to, you know, to pay for, for the players. Like, you know, Kenyon Drake, transition tag, pay back this, you know. It means you got, run, you got a strong running back. So you basically got, got almost well, all and, kids for free, right? And a running back who actually excelled in the system once he took the yeah. reins. You know, you guys are actually in, in a funny way looked better with Drake than Johnson even when DJ came back. So as an outsider, you know, looking in, uh, it's just disbelief as I think like majority of football fans were looking at what happened because not only have you offloaded that DJ contract, not only have you effectively got Hopkins for a second, you know, his cap hit is lower than DJ's was. Uh, yeah, you've had to give a future fourth away, but it was just unbelievable, like the the, the uh, transaction that went down. And you've still got your first round pick, which is number eight pick. It's It's just unbelievable to me. Yeah, which that, that. which give us a great opportunity on the OL, right? You know, we got Wills or Worth. You know, we got some good players. So yeah, I mean, it, it was like Christmas after Christmas, and before that <laughs> shitty period, right? <laughs> so Mo, then uh, as a as a fantasy player, uh, in outside of the obvious ones like Drake and Hopkins, are there any Cardinals you're looking to invest in here? Uh, well, the air raid offense, I'm definitely going Kyle Murray. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, he should be a top five QB. He should be a QB one this year with all the weapons around him and that offensive scheme. Um, I, we'll see how his accuracy develops. Other than that, I mean, I honestly, I don't know what they're going to do with tight end. I'd love to get a piece of their tight end. And I don't know, um, I don't know who they would be going after at this point. Or I, I don't know if they're going to address that on the, the draft or what do you, what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Any, anybody you have here on your, on your roster at the moment that may, that may, uh, you know, kind of excel as the, as the lead tight end. Uh, I, I believe you have Max Williams, Dan Arnold, and yes. Daryl well, Daniels, and I don't think any of them ring a bell. So, I, was that is that a position you may address during the draft? Because um, I, 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 that's one piece. I mean, I, I think we know wide receiver wise, uh, Nuke, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk are going to be top three. Um, you drafted Butler and Isabella, I believe, and they may come. You know, they might they might be decent bench warmers coming up if someone fall. You know, well, someone let, gets let's injured. Not, let's not forget Keyshawn Johnson was pretty good last season as well. So I think they've actually got quite a crowded receiver. receivers. Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what receiver is huge, but um, you know, it's, the, the good thing is like you know how we how we're going to play them. But you, you're right, like on on tight end stand, it's it's been light and and. And some of the areas, like, we don't necessarily have that much depth, which is something that, you know, I mean, I mean, if you look at, you know, the, the new the new model, um, 
you know, Kingsbury model is is focused on really on the offense, not 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 on the defense, and it's it's a really good movie games and um and I don't know how they can keep those guys fit with you know what's happening now. I know those guys usually take a few pounds additionally while at home. How how are they going to make sure they you know they they keep arriving? Right? You got Humphreys, um, left tackle, Titan. It says yeah, you got Williams, Arnold, and and Daniels. Um, but looking at the mock draft, there's nothing that you know. They, I mean, they want to put Wills, Tristan worse, but I, I I don't really know if which one they're going to pick. And and to be honest, it's kind of hard to say um, now what, what what they're going to do, how people are going to react. To I mean, I, I'm kind of a bit thrown away by but uh, by by the the current situation about what's you know what they um, you know how how, how they're going to play it. Um, are even those guys going to be able to do any proper training before season starts? So does that mean you're going to get your team, you know, together, and or you're going to start part of the season with all those guys in training? You know, and I I I, I don't know. And that's for me, it's, it's very hard to say. Like, you're gonna are you going to keep just your experienced and all your rookie and drafty not in? I I, I don't know. Or they are they going to move the season? That that's another question. I don't know. I think a move started the season. So it's, it's interesting because I've seen a couple of mocks where I've actually seen you giving up that pick eight, trading down, um, you know, only like four or five spots because teams are so desperate for either the last of the QBs or even a receiver. Uh, I've, I've seen a few mocks where, you know, you might trade down to something like 13, 14, but then you take an edge like uh, Clavon Chason, for example, you know, um, if you you might miss out on the two big sort of uh, offensive uh, linemen like um, Mackay Becton and Tristan Wirfs, but then you address your need on defense, you know, and you go for like a chase on. But if you were to do that, do you, well, forget if you were, how do you think it's possible that the Cardinals may actually trade down from the eight? Um. Yeah, I, I I think they can. I mean, I think that 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 that's that's an option to get. You know, they they've got um, a one year contract with um, you know, uh, was one of free agents. Um, I can't remember the name, but um, yeah. So there's you got you got one year contract with um, Devin Campbell. Devin Campbell can play tight end, but he's got a one year. And the problem is like how you. You need to build a long on the long run. So, do they have enough that they want to build this build this year, or they're going to keep that season and only start building next year? So that that that's definitely feasibility and see how basically test it and see how they're going to do this year, with and start building for next year. But also, like my personal opinion, I don't think Steve Kim is like he, he made some lucky choices in the past, but I don't think he's he's necessarily the best GM. I mean, his choices, like, not this season, but the season before, they were super poor, right? I mean, how come he didn't get fired? He was just leaving on legacy on his couple of years previous choices, right? But he, 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 hasn't, be, he hasn't been good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... I mean, look, look last year, um, the Tampa Bay game with Bruce Ains there, like, you know, smashed. You know, they, 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 they beat the Cardinals again. It's like, well... How do guys come back and know how to play your game already? You know, it's just I, I don't know. I, I think Kim needs to be 
leaving too much from his legacy? Does he really understand the game? Does he really have a vision, or did he just got lucky? That's that's a different question. But I think offense wise, you got you know Kingsbury is interesting. Callum Murray is really good. The white the, the receiving side, pretty good. Um, the OL, everyone is beating on this OL line. And the question is like, do we old? We got some people that can play tight end. Or just keep it on, or or do we just extend to next season? That that uh, that I don't know. I think I think we need to 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 wait and now see you know the, the the physical stuff go and and, and what other picks are as well. But uh, uh, I, I, for me personally, where we are, I will go with it, and it doesn't matter what we get, what we don't get. Yeah, I will just go with it. And um, I mean, it, look at it. Right, we got the Seahawks and and the Niners, the, the the two super super hard team. Right, last year the Seahawks, you know, with the you got the Seahawks, with <coughs> and the, and the Niners. You know, they they denied a few people the right to to play off across the you know, across across the game. So I think, you know, you just have to go and, and also be sure about what, what you actually can do and can afford. And is there a one-year game or is there a two-year game? I, I, I don't know, but then you're going to know that if you don't make it this year, Fizia is gone, but you've got Hopkins, so that's that's a view. Murray's got a few more seasons there. So, and, he, and he's doing well, so... I think one of the things with Hopkins is... Um... You know, one of the reasons, let's say, the Texans traded him, or from what you hear from Bill O'Brien, is that he wanted a significant increase. And I think he's looking for an additional, what, seven to nine million dollars a season. Uh, you know, I mean, he's on, what, 14. Julio Jones is on 22 uh, in terms of average contract value. So you'd expect he wants more than that Julio and Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper contract. But I think he's so worth it. And if you can make that cap space for him, then it's a no-brainer just getting, you know, a de definite top three receiver, whatever your thoughts are then on who's one, two, and three. Um, uh, we're not going to have that debate here, but, you know, a top three receiver with the uh, with the skill set that he possesses and the physique he possesses, I, I think just pay the man. You know, like the Falcons have been doing with Julio, pay the man, and you'll reap the rewards. Hopefully, yeah. Okay. Um, so no, no, that's fine. Uh, so Jeremy, we can't let you leave before talking about the uh, upcoming draft, and particularly being an OSU alum, what you think about some of these big names that are touted to go early in the draft. So uh, you know, Chase Young arguably the best player in the draft. Then you've also got J.K. Dobbins at uh, running back, who really showed out last couple of years at OSU. Um, you know, So before we talk about players for next season, what are your thoughts on those two and from what you've seen as a fan um, in terms of are they ready for the NFL? Can, can they make a splash in the NFL? <laughs> Well, I think Chase Young is, you know, he's definitely ready, but he, he's a bit arrogant. So I think his first season is going to be tough for him, right? You know, he's he's meant to go to Redskins, low expectation. I mean, the guys turn up the combine and say, I don't do combine. Uh, okay, good, you know. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's he's really good. He's an awesome pass rusher. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a tough learning experience, especially from a psychological point of view. 
but he's ready. I mean, he's you know he's been prime ready with Ohio State. Um, the way they work, the players with the marketing, um, all the marketing guys, um, the team, you know, the predators. He's already he's he's already like a pro ready, right? He's got you know he's got he's got his wear, he's got uh, trademarks, he's got he's got everything set up for him. So yeah, he's he's ready. On the sports element, is he gonna? He needs to. Uh, I would say learn a bit of modesty. That I think his first his first season, his first game, going to teach him a little bit. Um, but you know, he's he's in draft line. What high states have done with, uh, you know, in, in um, with all the Bossa brothers. You know, he's he's he's, he's awesome. Um, GK Dobbins. I'm not sure. You know, like it's like Dwayne Iskins, uh, GK Dobbins. Like where where is he going to end up? I, I, I'm I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, he, he, he's, he's a top running back and he's got amazing stats. But where, mm-hmm. where you know, where is he going to end up? Did, did, is he going to end up in a place where he can show and shine? Um, you know, his lineup for I don't know, the, the Dolphins and or the Chargers or Tampa Bay. But like, it's not even clear from all the drafts I've seen. But yeah, he, he, you know, he's, he's a great player. He's a great addition. He's a great. He's a great man in the changing room. Um, where Young is a leader because he, he he does what he does best. But what happened when he fails? Because that's so far we haven't seen him failing. He took over from from Bosa and he was amazing there. Um, and then we got you know Jeff Okuda, which which uh, which has not uh, been mentioned here. And uh, I think he's you know he's got some great chance to do a, a top five as well with uh, you know with with, with, um, with Chase Young like um, you know him. And as cornerback, and I think that, that, that there is some great opportunities there. Unfortunately, he might end up with the Lions, which, um, you know, is, is, that, is that the best team for him? And that's, a, <laughs> that, that, that's the problem with the draft, right? It, it, the way it's set up is like you end up to help the, some of the team, that, and it doesn't mean you're going to be brilliant or you're going to have the way to show. It will depend on what the plays are, right? Unless you're a QB where you're always going to get the ball, otherwise, it's going to be dependent on. On how you play, but um, and you know Ohio State as a university has done an amazing, amazing job. You know there's um, seven people in the past of the NFL draft in the first round, seven picks, the best of all the colleges. Um, when you go there, they've got two massive buildings purely dedicated to the players. Uh, they've got three fields. Half the university is dedicated for sports and football, and that's what went there. And airlines, and uh, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing that the, the fan base is there, the stadium is there. Um, just amazing that they they actually don't pull out men, you know more people just so how competitive it is. And then I say like Dwayne Askins for me, he's near the Redskins, and okay, he's making money, but is he ever going to show as a football player? That's the problem, right? He, he he was shining at high State. Is he shining at Redskins? Yeah, that's not. My yeah, opinion. and I I actually feel that Justin Fields, who sort of was the incumbent, is actually better than Haskins, and I'm uh, intrigued to see how high he goes next season. I think I think there's a very good chance that Justin Fields could be a top three pick next season. Um, I think you know Trevor Lawrence at the moment seems like the number one, but. A lot can change. You know, who would have said a year ago that Joe Burrow would be the number one pick in the draft? So a lot can change. 
But from what I've seen, I think Justin Fields looks like a very, very talented QB. And uh, if he can build on that next season, as I said, I think he's a definite top three pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, the the, the, the two like um, Okuda and Chase Young, I wouldn't see anything less than five. Dobbin and say, I don't know. You've got a, you know, the, you know, the LSU QB is obviously an ex-Ohio State. So he's, he's also an Ohio State product, as we, as we can take. Um, <laughs> well, he is, right? He, he is. And, and unfortunately, he was like, well, I'm not going to stake because I saw Askin's going to go and they took Dobbin, so I'm going to go. He ended up being, you know, champions. And, you know, well, that, that, that's the way it is. But um, is, it, is it better? It's hard to say. Hard to say. It is, um, yeah. But, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of number one picks who have not lived up to billing, a lot of number one picks who've been amazing. And then there's round seven picks who've ended up being Hall of Famers, you know, so you just don't know in this game. It all comes down to then how you perform after you've been drafted. So certainly interested to see how everyone drafted in the first couple of rounds goes, but there's a lot of Ohio State talent there, as you said. So, um, you know, keen to see particularly how the likes of Chase Young do <laughs> the pro game, uh, given the pedigree that he brings from college. No, exactly. And I, I think, well, if he can live with the fact that he might not be the best at all time, I think it will be, it will be awesome. Um, but he needs to shine in, in I think, in, the, in, in failing situations. But if you look at like how to fail rapidly, is Josh Rosen perfect example, right? <laughs> Top ten pick, cut, and I'm talking about Cardinals. You know, he was singing like the next guy's going to level up, and but he didn't do very much. Maybe it was the wrong coaching, and then it had the had the Dolphin. Is he doing very much either? He's not. So the guys put everything onto his college college life, and then since then it's just you know it's just dead uh-huh. end, right? Yeah, and I think coaching is very important. And, you know, we, we talked about this on our um, NFC South episode, but Mo, as a Panthers fan, you know, I think you you would speak very highly of Ron Rivera as a coach. And if Chase Young does go to the uh, Redskins, I think Ron Rivera is a great coach to hone his skills into a great defensive player. Oh, he'll be an absolute beast, especially with Montez Sweat on the other side. Um, yeah. And Ron Rivera just being a defensive-minded coach, um, and uh, yeah, that defense I think is going to thrive uh, once uh, once he gets gets his pieces in. So, so, so if you um, you say you're Panthers fan, a uh, Panthers fan, yeah, good old Carolina Panthers. Right. So, so what you're seeing, McCaffrey, sixty-four millions. Oh, I, I personally I mean, think we got like, a. I personally a, think yeah. we got a bargain, honestly, because um, I, I, <laughs> I think um, he could have demanded wide receiver. Uh, money if you want if you really wanted to and um, I, I personally I mean, I'm ecstatic about it I know people say don't pay running bats and, and whatnot but I, I think he's just a different mold um, he's he's the, the way he takes care of his body the way he runs the way he trains he, he uses the actual the Bruce Lee philosophy you kind of you know you don't want to be you want to be the water you want to bend around uh, your obstacles and stuff not run right into it um, he's um yeah I, I think uh, I, I personally think the Panthers got a Got, got a steal for for that price. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it, I was actually thinking it'd be towards the eighteen to nineteen miller season. So for what you've 
got him for, considering just how multifaceted and how talented he is. Um, I, I think that's a decent, decent contract. And in, just as important, signing him up before Giants do anything with Barkley, which could have then upped the price <laughs> as well. That's true. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, just want to say huge thanks for uh, joining us and giving your inputs, not only on the Cardinals, but also on uh, Ohio State. Uh, it's been a great learning experience for me as a fantasy player. And uh, hopefully uh, Mo here doesn't try and steal some of the uh, insights that you've given in terms of my draft strategy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, th- thanks for coming on. I think it's a really exciting season for the Cardinals with uh, Hopkins especially. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on um, post-draft or uh, during the season at some point. So um, look Thank forward to speaking much. again. But uh, it's kind of an easy pick for Ohio State and uh, the Cards, right? We've just got the best uh, easy pick for your fantasy team all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the question is which one we take. You know, if we can't get Hopkins or Kyler, it's which one of the rest of you take. But um now, I think it's a very exciting season, not just because of your scheme, but because just to, of... Just take Christian Kirk. You know, he's much cheaper. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's younger. You miss on long term. Get Kyler Murray and, and him and, you know, all... Yeah, I, th- I think... Well, I think ironically, that... you can, ironically, you can call... You can take Dushan Watson and uh, with Fitzgerald or, or vice versa, Kyler Murray and, and DeAndre, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's not say too much because Kirk, somebody I am trying to target in my dynasty league. So if people hear this, <laughs> they might up the price a little bit. So uh, I think Jeremy now is a fitting time to uh, let you leave before you give up any of my uh, uh, any of my draft or trade yeah. strategies here. But uh, <laughs> no, look, thanks again for joining. This was awesome, right. and uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks to everybody. Take, Take care. care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, so last up in the NFC West, we have the Seattle Seahawks, a very intriguing team uh, with arguably one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league uh, in Russell Wilson. Uh, Didn't make much of a splash in free agency this year. Uh, I think the biggest moves were, especially from a fantasy perspective, were to get in Greg Olson from the Panthers. I'm sure, Mo, you've got a, a view on that. But if he can stay fit, could be a very fantasy relevant uh you know, tight end for fantasy purposes. Uh, and then the other ones were more like getting a tackle in shell for, you know, replacing George Fant, who's gone to the Jets on a big contract. Um, uh, not many other notable moves. So, um, I mean, going into the season, Chiggs, what are your thoughts on the Seahawks and where they stand at the moment? Um, I think their wide receiver core is really nice. Um, after picking up DK Metcalf uh, last year, you know, he showed some really good stuff in his rookie season. See Tyler Lockett um, continued, you know, sort of his form, you know, very good wide receiving core. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, especially from a fantasy perspective. Expect him to still be you know, putting up big numbers. Their run games, the kind of the one that always has a few questions for me. You know, they've historically been a, a very run heavy team. You know, putting up big numbers for their, their running backs. Uh, previously, Marshawn Lynch and obviously Chris Carson, and, you know, Thomas Rawls for a bit. A bit of a split backfield with Rashad Penny and Carson. Penny obviously taken in the first round, I think it was, um, a few years ago, but hasn't really delivered. That's my kind of worry, you know, 
is it a bit of a split backfield? Do they draft a running back because you know, Penny hasn't done it? Do they eat into, eat into each other's work? That's probably going to be my biggest concern. Um, you mean from a fantasy perspective? Yeah. You know, is there going to be a clear number one running back with that volume that you know can be an um, an RB one? Can they can they support that, or will they both sort of cannibalize each other? And if they bring someone else in, I think what people often forget as well is because so much thought goes into the draft capital that went in to get Penny, you know, the first rounder. But they're only one year apart. Carson only has one extra year in the league over um, Rashad Penny, so it's not like. Carson's this aging veteran or anything like that and I just get the feel I mean I'm a big Chris Carson fan I think he's a very good you know very good running back between the tackles uh, yards after contact as well the the one thing might just be that he has had a few fumble issues but uh, Mo what are your thoughts on the the running back situation at the moment they have Carson Penny and Travis Homer who got a bit of an opportunity last season yeah, I'm I'm probably on uh, Chig's. Uh, I'm I'm aligning my views are aligned with Chig's over here. I think it's more of a coin flip on who they start. When Rashad Penny was on, uh, when Chris Carson was injured, I mean he was he was actually doing really well from a fantasy perspective. And um, so coming into this season, I, I presume they're going to take more of a who's got the hot end approach. And if not, it'll probably be a sh- shared backfield. In which case, I mean, only fa- fantasy relevance they would have is if one gets injured. But beyond that, I well, I wouldn't know who to start, honestly. Yeah, and one free agent signing we did forget to mention was actually Philip Dorsett, who for much of last season was <laughs> the Patriots' number one receiver and at times did actually play okay. So I suppose he gives them a bit more of a credible threat with the three receivers that they've got now because you have got some fringe players like David Moore, like Malik Turner, but nobody's really done anything. So maybe... Dorset, you know, is able to cement that third receiver spot where in the past the likes of Jerron Brown, for example, you know, just haven't really done done anything. Okay, yeah, and I'm, then... a, I'm hoping for a big uh, big step for, move forward with DK Metcalf. They they did uh, they, I believe they did mention this year, I think just a couple of days ago, if not yesterday, that they're uh, they're going to be uh, having DK Metcalf run different routes instead of his normal just you know, straightforward down the down the seam there. Yeah, and one other uh, glaring um, observation is that they don't actually have uh, a backup quarterback to Russell Wilson. Uh, not that I can see anyway. I know they had Geno Smith and he was released. I think they had Paxton Lynch for a while. He was released as well. And, um, you know, so it they're probably going to look to add, I suppose, something in the draft. Uh, albeit in a backup capacity. So then looking ahead to the draft, uh, as we have been doing, Seahawks did acquire some draft capital, actually. They they have their pick, which is, um, you know, down at uh, 27 uh, in the first round. Same in the second. But they also have the Chiefs pick as part of that Frank, uh, Frank Clark trade from last season. And then they also got three compensatory picks, the key one being the sort of the third that they got for Earl Thomas moving to the Ravens. So what do you think Seahawks will do uh, in the draft? I know they're normally quite an active team, move up and down a lot, a bit of a wheeling, dealing type of mentality. So Paul, what do you think the Seahawks are going to try to address in the draft? They don't really ever seem to have quite enough depth anywhere. You know, as you say, quarterback, they don't have anything. They don't have a lot of running backs. They've got 
you know they they've got okay with it they they're good where they are same as in almost across the board though they don't have a tremendous depth anywhere yeah i, I don't think anyway yeah i'd say the one position they probably do uh, especially from a fantasy perspective, tight is end. tight end. Yeah, because mm. yeah. not only have they got Will Disley, who's performed, Jacob Hollister, who looked good for a while. I said the free agent signing of Olsen, and it's not cheap. They're paying him seven million dollars for the season, as well. But I agree with you. Outside of that, but they've got four uh, quite decent ones, right? Who's their fourth? Even their who's their fourth is actually um. Yeah. Oh, they, I can't remember their fourth tight end, but they've got four tight ends, and the last, even the oh, last, Luke one, Wilson. Actually, yeah, you know, was not um. Um, it was not not irrelevant for a little while. Yeah, and I suppose um, what they probably want to do is try and avoid um, Russell Wilson having to scamper a lot because if you can get him time in the pocket, he is one of the most accurate passers in the entire league. So um, I could certainly see them trying to shore up the O-line. but uh, I think... Um... The, the big big need probably is going to be on the defensive side, right? If especially if Jadavian Clowney signs somewhere else, you know, you think they're going to try and land a sort of a, a premier sort of one of those sort of premier um, rushes in the in the um, in the rookie class. So you know, the early draft capital I think will be spent on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So do you think they trade up because it would be very Seahawks esque to do something like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, as you say, right? They they have a tendency to move up and down. You know, they may even go down, take into the second, and accumulate more picks. You know, to get some more depth. You know, we've seen them do that before as well. So they're always quite an interesting team to watch how they sort of maneuver on draft day. Um, yeah, completely agree on that. So yeah, Seahawks always intriguing to watch when it comes to, particularly day one, day two of the draft. Uh, tend to make a lot of movement so uh, from 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 your experiences of following the Seahawks from fantasy then Mo are there any sleepers on the current roster you think you might target if they don't add high quality depth uh, to the to the roster Ooh, um maybe a wide receiver maybe David Moore um I think uh the tight end positions uh, that's another coin flip there between the three uh, Dizzy's coming back from an injury Hollister you know, essentially pooed himself and Olsen's, you know, one foot away from, you know, breaking his foot again. Um, so I would say, uh, I mean, tight ends, it could be anyone on that end. I mean, I would I would maybe target any of those tight ends late uh, after Olsen, uh, Dizzy or Hollister for that matter. And wide receiver, all I could see is maybe more. I know he, he had some a good a good number of connections with him last year. But um, other than that, honestly, I, I nothing really stands out at this point. Do you see them potentially using their first or one of the seconds on a receiver, given how deep this year's class is um, touted to be? Uh, yes, I do. I, I don't believe they're first because, I, like I think, uh, as mentioned, I think they need to shore up that defense. Um, they may even go O line for that matter to protect uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I could see a second or third, um, or you know, like you said, being a deep class. I mean, you can go fourth and still get a decent caliber wide receiver this year. So uh, I, I I do definitely see them adding a wide receiver. If if so, if they do draft a wide receiver, there well there you go. That may be your sleeper this year. Yeah. See, for me, the you know the sleep he's not obviously not a sleeper, but I think you'll probably still get him cheaper than you know. Well, I think you'll you'll exceed his value where you take him is DK Metcalf. You know where we where we saw him produce last year in his rookie season. 
you know, he was a little bit volatile at times. You know, he did put up some games where he didn't score many points, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think I think uh, fantasy championships. I think he he uh, shorts literally scored yeah. zero. Yeah, he did indeed. Um, but you're going to get that right from the Seahawks offense. They're, they're not a high volume passing offense. You know, we always talk about Russell Wilson putting up amazing numbers on a very high level of efficiency. Um, and obviously, from the he he puts numbers up with his legs, but you know, DK Metcalf showed you know physical attributes. You know he was obviously a combine freak, and then you know he actually a game changing ability. And if he adds some more of that, you know, the root tree they've been working in off season, as you said, with him, he's got all the tools to be you know one of the top tier wide receivers in the league. So if you're looking at a dynasty league and you can get DK Metcalf in the sort of the middle sort of rounds. I think you know he didn't go in the first four rounds in our mock draft um, last few weeks ago. Probably looking at rounds five, six, seven, something in that range. I'd say. Do you know what's funny about what you said? I think about Russell Wilson. He was quite up there in the number of attempted passes, and he had a lot of yards. And he didn't actually have as many yards with his legs as I always feel he does. If you look at his rushing stats. He only he was maybe sixth highest rushing quarterback. Yeah, you're right. Considering it's, the game is changing to it, that sort of uh, rushing. In fact, he he was sixth. Minshew, Watson, Allen, uh, Murray, and Jackson were all ahead of him. And if you look at his um his uh, attempts for passing as well, he was he was you know his top ten in attempts at passing, and he had over four thousand yards. He was is better than you well than I. And in fact, he was. He was sixth in passing as well, yards. It's weird. It's not. I always think of him the other way around, but it's not quite what he was. Not yeah, in a bad think, way. No, no, you're right. So it, uh, there, there is a bit of worry, uh, just given how much they like to run the ball. I think that showed because when when I look back at our four-round mock draft, I appreciate you know people are trying to emulate different strategies, but. Nobody outside of Russell Wilson, none of the other players were drafted. So no Carson, no Penny, which probably too early for them in the fourth. But I think the surprising one for me was Tyler Lockett. If I look at some of the receivers who went, you did have relatively unproven players. In you know comparatively, you had like AJ Brown and Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, um, as well. You had Kenny Golladay, who on a in a different draft could all go behind Tyler Lockett. So just thinking back to our mock draft, what, what put you guys off drafting Lockett in the third or the fourth? Chiggs, I'll start with you. Um, For me, just the quality of other options that are available. You know, um, I think I took AJ Brown in the third. You saw Julio Jones going in the third. Cortland Um, Sutton, I think as well. Sutton, DJ Moore, you know, for me, these probably, above Tyler Lockett uh, from a fantasy perspective, especially PPR. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with Tyler Lockett. You know, he's a great guy. You can sort of pick up in the sort of fifth round. You know, if you wait on receiver, you know, you add in feelings to Tyler Lockett, and he's, I think he's only 27. Um, so you know, there's still a lot of value to be had in those sort of middle rounds. I don't think even like you know, guys like Keenan Allen, you know, went so. I think we talked about it before. There's a lot of those sort of running backs that will fall to those later rounds, only your Lev Bells and um, Kenyon Drakes and so forth. And you've got the same wide receiver. So 
It just depends on what strategy you're employing. If you're going wide receiver early or running back early and you want to wait. No, that's a fair comment. I said it, it's a very subjective game, fantasy football, especially once you get into those third, fourth and rounds beyond. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Seahawks always do give uh, good fantasy uh, options. It's just whether the player you've got on the given week is going to be the one who shines or it's going to be someone else. I think that's the fear factor that comes with drafting Seahawks players early. But, uh, you know, NFC West, I think, is going to be very interesting. Uh, 49ers haven't changed much. Um, I know they lost to Forrest Buckner, but my view is I can still see them taking it down. I don't know. Mo, do you think Seahawks can catch the 49ers? Because they were strong themselves. I think they finished 13-3 uh, and three last season, if I'm not mistaken. I, yeah, I actually, actually no, it I wasn't that much. It was eleven and five. It was eleven and five. Yeah. Still. No, I, th- I th- actually, I think it's uh, any any one of those could take it. I think it's going to be Seahawks or 49ers. Um, you always have that Super Bowl slump every team has, and I actually don't. I I, I think San Francisco will regress. I, I I'm thinking it, um, Seattle. I actually, I believe Seattle Seahawks. I mean, solid coaching all around. Uh, they may very well win the division, and then you, I think you're going to have Arizona there making a little bit of noise. Um, I, I don't have much faith in the Rams this year um, with with all their losses, but uh, no, I'm actually gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say Seahawks wins the division, and I think uh, um, San Francisco regresses this year. It's been a while since we've seen a Super Bowl team that lost in the Super Bowl come back and make the playoffs the following year, hasn't it? The, the Patriots, unfortunately. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Besides the Patriots. No, exactly. You're right. There there is normally that regression that comes with losing a Super Bowl. So, um, well, that was our NFC West breakdown. Uh, you know, thanks for listening to episode nine. And um, we still have three more divisions to break down. Uh, so look forward to having guests on and uh, recording those. So uh, it's goodbye from me, Chicks. See you later, guys. Paul. Have a good evening. And Mo. Giddy up.